What's interesting about that is, you know, you have all of these, from what I know, I don't know for sure they're not believers, but you've got a host of people there, famous people who have kind of come to the same conclusion that pornography is really dangerous and bad for society, right? They've come to this conclusion on their own with common grace insights that they have in that regard. So um, again, if you've wandered in here today, not knowing what this is, this is Parent University. My name is Jeff Summers. I'm the, the pastor of student families here at Perimeter. And to, we've been in a four-week series on sexuality. We talked about holy and healthy sexuality. Last week, we kind of went through some very practical things and talking to your kids about sex and how you can approach, uh, how they can approach dating in healthy ways and boundaries and things like that. Um, today, we're going to talk about pornography. So if you, again, if you just wandered in, you're like, whoa, okay, pretty heavy subject right out of the gate. Yes, we are going to discuss that today in a, uh, a deeper level. So let me, um, let me pray and we'll jump right into today's teaching. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, these parents and again for the privilege it is to raise kids. And, and Lord, there are many things in society these days that, that are scary, terrifying as parents. And, and Lord, this, this aspect and idea of pornography is one of those. And so I pray that you would guide us, again, knowing that um, this didn't catch you off guard. You know what it's like to raise kids in, in this society, in this day and age, and you can equip us to navigate through these waters. So we, we pray for your guidance and teach us by your word and your spirit today in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so um, talking about pornography, you know, it's interesting. We've called this entire series uh, Blurred Lines. Does anybody know uh, where Blurred Lines even comes from? The, uh, the idea of that. Do you remember uh, a, a few years ago, there was a famous song uh, called Blurred Lines. And it's, it's an interesting story to think about. Um, it's kind of like a, an allegory or a, a, an example of what not to do. So Blurred Lines was a, a really the big song, I think in 2014, 2015, right in there. And uh, Robin Thicke was the artist. Does anybody remember this? So Robin Thicke, um, you can put that, that slide up, Mark. So Robin Thicke is the son of who? Do you know? If you look at his face, you might... Alan Thicke, right? Was Alan Thicke seeped in pornography or sexuality? No, he was kind of the wholesome dad that we all grew up with, right, on TV. And so his son is an R&B singer, and he had a song called Blurred Lines, which, uh, and the reason I have Miley Cyrus up there is she was the, she, the, in the award ceremony, very famously, uh, she was coming out as an adult um, singer trying to get rid of the Hannah Montana, you know, view of her, and they had this situation where she was twerking on stage with Robin Thicke. Now, that may be all you knew about that moment, which, by the way, that is a a foam finger that she has on in the background there, just in case that's confusing anybody. Um, But you have this idea, okay, so she is saying, "I'm, I'm no longer a kid star, you know, I'm an adult, and her album was very sexual and things like that. So, uh, the persona, so Robin's this wholesome, you know, his dad was this wholesome star, and now he, he does this. Well, I don't know if you're, the video for that song was pornographic, one of the first mainstream pornographic video songs. So he had topless girls in that music video dancing around him while he sang, and he got permission from his wife to do that. But thinking about his life and where it went with that song, does anybody know the story of what happened to him after 
That song came out, huge hit. I mean, probably the biggest hit of the summer that year. Uh, launched his career into the stratosphere. And, well, what had happened is he was, had been married for 20 years. He was one of those success stories. His wife was an actress. And uh, shortly after that song came out, with all of the hypersexuality around it, he went on tour, got really into drugs and alcohol, had multiple affairs, and lost his wife of 20 years. And his next album was all about trying to get his wife back. Um, so, because uh, they, they ended up getting divorced. So, really tragic story, thinking about it. Um, but if you, if you also think about it, it's not that unusual. If you're going to define and wrap pornography around your life, uh, there are a lot of tragic stories about that, right? When it comes to that. So, I just think it's interesting uh, that it did, it, and pornography does blur the lines in society now, right? It blurs the lines of sexuality and how we view that. And so it's a, it's a good name for us, as we've named this series, to go after that. Let me give you some stats. Uh, pornography, by the numbers, stats, just to kind of uh, really discourage you this morning. So porn sites received more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined in each month. of all internet downloads are porn-related. 34% of internet users have been exposed to unwanted porn via ads, pop-ups, etc. People who admit to having extramarital affairs were over 300% more likely to admit to consuming porn than those who have never had an affair. At least 30% of all data transfers across the internet is porn-related. Think about that. 30% 30% of all data transferred across the internet is related to pornography. 625,000 child porn traders have been discovered online in the U.S. alone. Now that's been discovered, so think about how many there really are. Porn is global, it is an estimated industry worth, anybody have a guess? $97 billion. Um, with about 12 billion comes from the U.S. In 2016 alone, more than 4 billion 500 million hours of porn were consumed on the world's largest porn site. Uh, The world's largest free porn site received over 33.5 billion site visits in 2018 alone. 30, I mean, these numbers are staggering, right? Um, 64% of young people ages 13 to 24 actively seek out pornography weekly. 64%, 13 to 24-year-olds, weekly seek out pornography. Teenage girls and young women are significantly more likely to actively seek out porn than women who are 25 years old or older. And a study of 14 to 19-year-olds found that females who consume pornographic videos we're at a significantly greater likelihood of being victims of sexual harassment or sexual assault. All right. Now that you're really encouraged, let's uh, spend some time talking around our tables uh, for a little discussion. So we've got a couple of discussion questions for today. All right. So at what age did you become aware that pornography existed? Okay. And then what is society's attitude towards porn when you were growing up? Think about that attitude 
when we were younger versus the attitude of society and pornography today. All right, and take a few minutes and talk about that around your tables. All right, so kind of able to bring it back in here. Hopefully, interesting discussion around your tables. Um, does anybody want to share anything interesting, any insights? What was the, the attitude generally about pornography when we were younger? What's that? It was taboo, yeah. I mean, it existed for sure, and it was out there, but it was, it was seen as something. It's interesting when you see, like, I think of when I was growing up, and I was little in the 70s, tattoos were kind of a thing that bikers and uh, military people had, right? And then tattoos became like, it's for everyone. Well, that's kind of what porn's done, too. Porn was like this seedy thing that was like, you know, people do it, but golly, you know, and... And now it's kind of like mainstream. I mean, I remember watching Entertainment Tonight used to be a show we used to watch. And I can remember they started doing like little bits on porn stars and stuff. And I, and I was like, what is the deal? Like what, how in the world are they talking about this stuff? Um, so what, is, what does the Bible have to say about this? It, it, you know, it's interesting when you look at Proverbs 7. We're going to read that. And, and that it, I think when you read Proverbs 7 in light of pornography... It actually applies in an amazing way, okay? It's a, long, it's a long passage, so let me read it. You can look it up on your phone. I think we have it on the screen. Um, so let's read Proverbs 7, all right? Uh, my, this is uh, the words of Solomon to his son, right? He's saying, My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near the corner, taking the road to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness, And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him. And with a bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or a stag caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for many a victim she has laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, or the grave, going down to the chambers of death." 
okay? Words of wisdom, right? And talking here about, about adultery or having an affair with a woman who, you know, is married, clearly. Um, but if you think about pornography, when you read it, it's amazing how many of the same things apply, right? How many lessons there are just in this passage that can apply. We have this idea that it's forbidden, right? Uh, one of the main things that Satan does with this is it's, it's, it's tantalizing, it's forbidden, it's secret. And when it's kept in secret, oh, the power that it has, right, in the secrecy. Um, the young are more susceptible, right? He says at the beginning, I look through the lattice of my window and I see a youth, someone who is foolish, who doesn't have life experience, who doesn't have wisdom. And they are, I think they are more susceptible. If you look at the stats, which I've spent a lot of time this week looking at stats, uh, Definitely, usage goes down as you get older. Um, it's definitely more susceptible when, for the younger. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting that she says, come to me at night, you know, in, the, in secret, in the dark. Again, this is the, the main times when you look at when pornography is, is used. It's at right when school and work is done, between 4 and 6. And then again at bedtime, at night, like around 10 o'clock at night on. Um, she lies in wait to pursue him. Porn pursues our kids. Remember one of the stats I read said 34% of people have seen porn pop-ups and things like that that they were not looking for. It comes after you. The pornographers aren't stupid. They are very smart in the way they do things. And they're, they're more than happy to push content towards our kids and hope that we will click on something and, and draw us into a deeper net. And that's the next thing. It's a trap, Right. It's a snare the way that, that the, uh, the wise man talks about it here in this passage, right? It's a snare and it's a trap. And it does, the last one is, it's, and he says this, it's an arrow that pierces the liver that it can cost him his life. It can cost you your life. I mean, I can't think of the number of pastors that I've known that have been defrocked and no longer in the ministry because of pornography. The number of marriages that I have seen fail. The number of people going to jail. Okay, I mean, it can take you, it can cost you everything. Cost you your kids, your, your life, your livelihood. It can cost everything uh, in the danger that this poses. Um, and even so, it, it, kids, our students, our kids are planting seeds that can produce an incredible harvest of destruction later on in life, Right? By consuming this. And again, we have, again, a reminder from 1 Thessalonians 4 8. What is our, what do we want to see happen? Then we read this last week. This is the will of God for your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but for holiness. This is our goal as parents, right? And training up our kids that God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gave his Holy Spirit to you. All right, so we'll hit several things in no particular order. First thing is this. We don't talk about pornography enough with our kids. We need to be talking about it. Uh, there's a very high probability that your child is going to struggle with this, okay? Um, and the reason I say that is because the stats say 94% of students 
by age 14 have been exposed to pornography. 94%. So I, I would say it's probably even higher among boys for sure. Okay, so it's, it's, it's not an if, it's a when. That needs to be a change in our thinking. Again, this was easy to avoid when we were younger. It is not so easy now because it's such a part of our culture. And it's no longer just a boys club, right? Uh, statistics. And this was kind of shocking to me. A new survey reported found that more than a third of women, now listen to this, more than a third of women watch pornography at least once a week. More than a third of women watch pornography at least once a week. Uh, 90% of the 3,000 female respondents said they watched it online, and two-thirds said they watched it on their smartphones. 31% of women said they watched porn every week, and another 30% say they did so a few times a month. Um, Another recent study found half of young adult women agree that viewing pornography is acceptable. Half. Okay? So think of that, that change. We used to think of this, I used to think of this as just a guy's problem or more of a guy's problem. I knew girls could struggle with it, but it was just men primarily. Um, where does pornography get its power? Okay, where, where does it get its power? It gets its power in the fact that it's anonymous, it's secret, and it's addictive. Okay? It's anonymous, it's secret, and it's addictive. The anonymity is a new thing that wasn't there before. When we were growing up, for someone to view pornography, you had to go into like a gas station or something and look some person in the eye and say, hey, that magazine behind the counter, I would like to purchase that. That was a huge shame factor, okay? And then to get a video, you had to go into one of those X adult superstore, whatever, you know, and you just think, gosh, if somebody sees me driving there, I mean, like, there, again, there was huge barriers. It wasn't that men weren't susceptible or women weren't susceptible to that, but the, the shame and the barriers that you had to go through in order to do that was, was significant. It was not something. And now all you have to do is go click, click, and no one, no one knows. Yes. I mean, watch, watching it, yes. Not, not performing as porn stars, but yeah. But, but watching pornography, yeah. And again, that can be confusing. When we talk about porn, we are talking about, we're talking about pictures. But again, in the old days, pictures was maybe the only thing most people ever saw. Now it's videos. I mean, now it's, it's live action pornography. It is not just still images. It can be still images. It includes that. But I'm saying... It's much broader than that. If your kids are looking at pornography, more than likely, because of the Internet, they're watching videos. Okay? So that's a totally different, uh, more damaging thing. So it's, it's anonymous. It's, it's secret. Satan loves to keep things in the dark. Right? He loves keeping sin secret. Exposing that to the light is one of the main times when people start to get freedom from that. Okay? Uh, that's a huge factor, and it's addictive. Uh, it's incredibly addictive. Um, a lot of reports say that it has the same uh, response to the brain as cocaine, the way it hits the pleasure centers in the brain. They've actually 
scanned their brains and, and seen the, the reaction of what's happening in the brain, and it's the same uh, kind of response. So for, uh, for uh, when, uh, when someone watches it, cortisol, cortisol dopamine, and, and oxytocin flood the brain. Okay, Matt Brinkley was one of the first guys that I ever heard talk about like this. He was like, you know, you could be searching TV late at night looking for a fix, you know, and he talked about it in terms of that, looking for a fix. And it really is, though. I, you know, that is the same thing. You really are looking for a little shot of dopamine, a little shot of those, those things to shoot into your brain. And, it, and it's addictive. And so it's not something that you can just turn off either. It's, it's naive for us to think that that can happen. Um, there, the, there's a movie which you saw uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Scarlett Johansson were in a movie called uh, Don Juan. It's a movie you, again, if you want to see it, he is, Joseph Gordon-Levitt directed the movie, and, um, and it's about a guy who's addicted to porn, and he actually starts dating Scarlett Johansson, and even though they start sleeping together and everything, he, as soon as she goes to sleep, he'll open up his computer and go watch porn, because his real life with Scarlett Johansson is not as exciting as pornography, Okay, and so it really kind of dives into this. Again, from a secular perspective, there are people that are going, this is a problem. This is not healthy. Um, and, it's, and, and we saw that montage at the beginning. This teaches young men and women to object, objectify people. Okay? Um, it teaches us to look at a sex partner as, as an object instead of a person. And we spent a couple weeks, right, unpacking... Uh, oneness, soul oneness, uh, what the one flesh relationship really means and what it looks like in God's design. But porn does the opposite, right? It teaches us to just look at someone as an object. And we talked about the Greek words, right, that, um, that the word uh, eros is kind of that lust kind of, uh, of love that is described in the Bible. And you even see an example of that if you, if you remember the story of Tamar, Amnon and Tamar. Does anybody remember that story from the Old Testament? So Amnon was uh, one of David's sons, and he, you know, he had multiple wives and multiple sons. And so Tamar was one of his daughters, and Amnon had this desire for, for Tamar, and he tricks her, basically, into sleeping with him. Um, he acts like he's sick, and Tamar is sent to care for him and make him some food, and then he rapes her, basically. And it's really interesting in the way he responds in 2 Samuel 13, verse 14, he says this, so, so Tamar basically, she, she says, don't, like, don't do this. Don't, don't rape me. If you do, you know, my dad will give, you, give me to you in marriage if you don't do this. Well, he rapes her anyway, and then he casts her out because he's so disgusted by what he's done and by, by that. And this, again, the, the parallels to pornography is amazing. Um, so 2 Samuel 13, 14 says, but he would not listen to her being stronger than she. He violated her and laid with her. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up and go. And he cast her out. And this hatred, you know, it's interesting, again, the parallels that we have with this kind of, with this kind of dangerous uh, sexual desire, right? And, and, Pornography brings that kind of hatred. It brings it of yourself even, right? There's a self-loathing that takes place. Uh, it, it, it's so damaging in the shame that it traffics in uh, when it comes to pornography in general. Um, but it teaches us and it teaches our kids that sex is about me and it's about my needs, 
okay, instead of about the other person, which is, which is the way we should view it. Um, and this is, but this is the message of the world. We shouldn't be surprised, right? If you, I mean, you used to listen to, was it Ruth, you know, Dr. Ruth or whatever. You, sex was all about you. It was all about gratification and self-gratification. And, and even now, if you listen to secular experts, pornography, masturbation, all those things, they would just be like, oh, yeah, this is normal and healthy and embrace it. Let's go, you know, without realizing the danger that it poses and how the Bible is countercultural when it talks about, about this, um, that it's not healthy. Um, and so, you know, we've been talking about a higher view of sex, and pornography just continually uh, pushes this objectification and low view of sex. It also gives an unrealistic view of sex. Um, think of, you know, we've got our, our teenagers watching and consuming this material, and then they go to get married. And what is that expectation when they go into the bedroom on wedding night? You know, how, you know, now that I've, they've consumed hours and hours of this stuff, then they expect that in, in the bedroom. And so it, it presents this, this fantasy world that's not real, which sets us up for incredible disappointment in our marriage. And then the, that disappointment uh, doesn't really help us. Remember, we talked again the first couple weeks about how sexuality is designed to be an incredible bonding agent between husband and wife so that when things get difficult, that's what they have. They have this bond, this incredible strength, right, because of what happens uh, in, this, in this oneness that takes place. But now we even begin the relationship or the more you consume porn, it now is a, is a factor that's a wedge, right? It's distancing us from our spouse um, in viewing and having these ideas of sex that no one can really live up to. And if a female is watching porn in order to please her husband, what she's doing is learning how to be an object. Think about that, right? Learning how to be objectified so that uh, they're more pleasing. So, you know, it's so, it's so destructive in, in the marriage relationship. Um, it is connected to sex trafficking. So many porn users eventually want to act out what they're consuming visually. Uh, or if their wife, again, isn't like a porn star, believe it or not, then they, they, or their husband, then they want to go and find someone who is, so they're more likely to go purchase sex. So it actually increases uh, the connection there. And um, there's a strong connection between porn use and people who purchase sex. And then many traffickers, uh, girls are filmed... When they have someone who's uh, being trafficked, they'll videotape uh, them in pornographic acts because it makes them much more profitable. And so there's just a vicious cycle. Then the more profitable they are, the more likely they want to get somebody else into sex trafficking so that they can make more money. And it just goes on and on and on, this vicious cycle. So there's a strong connection between the sex trafficking industry and pornography. So where are people finding porn? Where are we finding it? Where are our kids finding it? The iPhone is the number one culprit here, or the gal, you know, any smartphone is the number one. It's portable. It's easy to take to your room. It's easy to hide. Uh, Apple is very difficult to put things on that, that limit, you know, it's even harder to, to, to limit it on the device. Um, the computer, game systems. Remember, all the game systems in your home are all wired to the internet. So you can, you can put blockage things on all your devices and leave the game system alone and don't realize that your game system is a portal into that world as well. 
Uh, smart TVs. Most of us have smart TVs. Guess what? There's an internet browser on that TV uh, that you need to be aware of. Um, there are portals. There are fake apps. Portals are a way that someone can go in and, and it just says your browser. It tells your browser, hey, you're on Facebook, when really it's a portal into the internet <coughs> to look at things you shouldn't look at. Um, fake apps where if they collect pictures and download pictures, they can put it in an app. It looks like a calculator, for example. And instead, of you type in a certain code in the calculator and it lets you into their photo cache uh, and stuff that they store there within that. All this stuff exists and is there to hide uh, uses of porn. Texting and sexting, obviously they can send pictures to one another, different things like that. A lot of students are not aware that if high school and junior high students are sending and receiving pictures and showing their friends, they can be arrested for child pornography because they're sending and saving and sharing these pictures of underage kids, so they're committing felonies. So... You see how easy that could be, though, for a student, receives a picture of somebody, shows it to a friend, sends it to somebody. Now they've committed a felony. You can get in a lot of trouble. You can get expelled from school, not get into college. I mean, all kinds of things from just simple, uh, the temptation that they're facing in these areas. Um, once girls send pictures and stuff, they've got to remember that that can be posted forever. It's out there in cyberspace forever. Um, and... You know, again, having that conversation with our kids about these things. Now, there are basic protections. There's filters. There's Disney Circle. There's Custodio. There's Open DNS. We did a whole series about this last spring, if you want to look up, and we talked about a lot of those things um, as far as certain filters and protections. Again, my main uh, advice to all of us, because the technology continues to change, is pursue the heart of our kids so that, that we are forming their heart about all of these things and not trying to just be the cop electronically. Because again, that always breaks down at some point. But when you pursue their heart, that is the main avenue that we have into who they are and where we have to talk to them about these things. So let's hit a couple other things. Um, what do you do when you catch your child looking at pornography? Okay, If, if we said it's probably going to happen at some point, I'd rather you be proactive and get in on the front end of it and keep, you know, try to, you know, talk to them about attitudes and things about sexuality ahead of time. But when or if you catch your child looking, what do you do? One is you want to validate that sexuality is good, right? And God gives us desire and attraction. You know, we want it so often we want to come in and just bring the hammer down and say, you know, you know, no. And, and we can start to make them feel ashamed about sexuality at all, right? This is not we want to do. So we've got to be careful about that to validate that sex is good. God made us sexual. They're a sexual being and it's okay to have sexual desire. So even when you interact with this, first thing is say, hey, you are a sexual being. God made you that way. Yes, women or men are attractive and interesting and sex is interesting. That's the way God designed it. Now here's the thing. Satan doesn't invent anything. He just perverts what God creates as good. And then you start talking about how pornography is really a perversion of sexuality and that that's not an area where they want to go into and not attaching guilt and shame to sex, that Satan just warps sexuality. Um, if you can, you want to have the same-sex parent lead the discussion with the child if possible. You know, if you're a single mom or dad, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to get in there and have that discussion. But, um, you know, sometimes it's easier for a woman to talk to a woman, a guy to talk to a guy. And, and get on that level and, and really have this discussion. Um, 
from uh, there's a there's a great website which we'll talk about at the end called Fight the New Drug, and they they even they even have a blueprint on their website that's amazing that kind of goes how to have a talk with your kids about sex, and it literally. You click on that, and it'll say, they've already looked at it. Well, then it'll walk you through step-by-step step how to talk to your kids about it. Some of the things they recommend, don't assume they're exempt. Don't go, well, my kid's awesome and great, and they, they're a good kid, so they're not struggling. Everybody else's kid is struggling, but my kid's not. Super easy to do. Um, they said, don't assume that they're addicted. If you catch your son or daughter looking at pornography, don't automatically go, oh, man, you know, they're addicted. They've been watching thousands of hours. They may have just recently stumbled upon it or just now are dipping their toe in the water of, of this world, okay? And don't assume that it's already, you know, at this point that's uh, that's point of no return. We need to avoid shaming, which I already mentioned. Avoid just stop. There can be this. Remember, we talked about it's like cocaine addiction, of what it does to their brain. So it's not as easy as just going, oh, this is gross, quit it. That doesn't really work very well. Um, and again, they're designed to want sexuality. We've already talked about that. Um, don't be surprised if they relapse, and don't blame yourself if they struggle. Okay, don't be surprised if they relapse, and don't blame yourself if they struggle. Um, one of the ways to combat this is through accountability. Um, who is someone that they can talk to about this other than you? This is one of the few sins that I feel like um, trying to tackle this sin in, the, in community is effective, more effective than, again, trying to do it by yourself. And that's what happens is a young man or woman struggles with pornography. They're so ashamed. They don't want to talk to anybody about it. Definitely not mom and dad. They don't want to talk about it. They feel ashamed. They want to keep it in the dark. They're struggling by themselves. They don't realize everyone in the room that is struggling with it too. And really when they expose light to it and bring accountability in and they can talk about it with other people, they actually will and they have accountability and they start discussing it and expose it to the light and it starts to lose its power. Okay? So accountability can be a great way to do this. This is one of the reasons why I don't, in Watershed, we don't recommend parents are their kids d-group leaders going into high school? You know, because a lot of there's things that teenage boys and girls struggle with, they don't necessarily want to tell their parent first thing. I mean, they the shame factor that they have is so so high that it's a really difficult thing to talk to with their parents. And if you can talk to your parents about it, that's great. I mean, if you have that relationship, that's wonderful. But having another man or woman speak into your kid's life about these things adds even more protection, more accountability, more uh, power as it's brought in through other people. And so, you know, definitely recommend that. Um, I read a great book over uh, Christmas called Unwanted by Jay Stringer. And he talks about porn is really a symptom of another need not being met. Okay, because we can take pornography and really talk about it in ways where it's all about lust and it's all about just sex and really porn addiction specifically isn't about that he says most often when we turn to porn it's it's like turning to alcohol or turning to something else like this fix that we want there's another need that's not being met okay now he goes into it in a lot more detail than i'm going to go into here if you want to uh, check out his book but um one of the, i listed like four things here that are, are are things that he says are underlying causes actually of pornography addiction more than, again, it's not about sex. It's about these things. One is deprivation. He says, you know, if you're under, if you feel overworked and underappreciated, you know, you can convince yourself 
I just need this fix right now because I, you know, that's how I feel. So you're being deprived in another area of your life or you feel like you are and you can kind of justify and say, hey, I need this cortisol, you know, zip to the brain, you know, that, that's making me feel uh, the way I want. Lust and anger is another one that, that almost always when lust is, is engaged, anger comes alongside with it. And he talks about the fact that you're angry about some other things that are going on in your life. And really, pornography is just a way that you're, you're coping. It's a way that you're dealing with it. That lust almost always comes with some form of, of deep-seated anger. And that you've got to find the source of the anger before you can really tackle the, the problem, is what he's saying. The next one is, so I see this all the time with, with high schoolers especially, disassociation. Okay, um, we're disconnected from the relationships around us. Disassociation is where we, you want a mind-numbing situation. I mean, right, we all get into this where we're like, oh, I'm just so tired and worn out from the day. I want to just watch Netflix for three you know, hours. I'm going to just binge. You know, something like that. That's disassociation too. What we're saying is I don't want to really continue to deal with it. You know, we, what we should do is go for a run or go, go do something or engage with somebody, but we, instead we want to just totally disconnect and unplug and plug our brain into something else. And that when we do that, uh, that's a form of coping, again, that we're doing. And so pornography can be that for a lot of people. They can be like, oh, I just want to disconnect from everything, and they want to plug into porno- pornography instead. And then the last one that he mentions is purposelessness. So he goes into this a lot, that futility corrupts everything that we do. The fall, like you go to work, and this lack of purpose, everything you work towards doesn't seem to get anywhere. And so pornography can be a very tempting because... What we do is say, you know what, you know, life is, is futile, nothing I do, there's, there's no payoff, and you can watch pornography, and there's no effort involved, and there's an easy payoff, and I don't have to toil, right? I don't have to toil in life. I can just, there's no effort that takes place in real relationships, right, to maintain these. I can just watch this, and, and it's, it's an easy payoff. And I, you see this a lot, this purposelessness. I mean, so what I'm saying is, if your child is struggling with pornography, maybe they, we, they really need his purpose, that it's not about sex at all. Maybe they have no sense of what they're supposed to do with their life. They have no purpose. They feel like, ah, eh, what does it matter anyway? And if we could give them that and really plug them into about the kingdom growth, what their purpose is in life in Christ, when they can get excited about that, pornography starts to lose its power, okay, when you plug them into that. And, and, uh, you know, you think of triggers for students. Again, this purposelessness is a big thing. One of the times that, that guys and girls struggle the most with pornography is if they have a, a, a day off school and no one's home and they got nothing to do and they're bored, they're purposeless. And when they're bored, they're more, super more likely to, as a trigger to go to pornography on a day like that. So several uh, resources I want to put up um, for you guys, and we'll put this on the Facebook page. But um, in a lot of the research I was doing and different articles I was looking at, you have fightthenewdrug.org, um, great website with articles. Fightthenewdrug.org is the website that has the blueprint on how to talk to your kids about sex. And just great articles, blogs, videos, resources, statistics. I mean, you name it, you're going to find it on this website. Um, T-shirts and stuff. I mean, really cool, great website. TripleXChurch.com has... A lot of the same kinds of things. What it used to be years ago, Triple X Church was one of the only places I knew that had a lot of this stuff. And now there's several organizations that, are, that have this material. Um, 
And so, uh, but again, that's another great resource for you. Triple X Church has also a web browser that, um, or a, a web blockage thing for your student that doesn't actually block sites, it reports them to somebody. So if, you're, if your high school student is looking at a site, it'll send the links of those sites to an accountability partner, you know, who can come and say, hey, I noticed Friday you had a problem, let's talk, you know. So uh, that can be an option for you. Um, True North uh, is another one that um, is a great hub of resources for you as on this whole subject. And then Harvest USA is uh, an organization that started out of 10th Pres, Philadelphia, back in the 70s, working with homosexuals. And they focused on sexual addiction and all these things for years and years. They have a lot of great resources. They have curriculum and different things that are available as well. And so, again, a whole host of resources in these areas. But I just, you know, I want to go back because, we, again, we've talked about a lot of things and just remind you and encourage you to say, you know, yes, this world is rough and there's a lot of stuff out there. We're still not at the place of Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? No one's banging on our doors asking for your daughters to come outside or, your, or your, the visitors who just showed up for the weekend. So uh, the world that they lived in in the, in the early church in Rome and in Greece was pretty rough, okay? So a lot was going on. We're not there. God is not... Again, he's not wringing his hands up there going, man, the church would just be so great if it weren't for this problem. He is strong enough to overcome these things in our lives. And again, a lot of this really, when we get to it, yes. Is it more available? Yes. Is it something we need to talk about? Yes. But we need to pursue the hearts of our kids is the main thing. And we always have needed to do that, right? That hasn't changed. Um, And so us engaging... And being intentional and engaging them on these conversations is what's important. And we can uh, do that. We can't protect them from everything. But we can try to engage them and equip them to deal with these things. So God's still on the throne. And I just want to encourage you about that. Uh, Cammie's going to come up and share uh, now. And then we'll be, we'll be done. Give and I have some announcements yeah. at the end. Okay. Hey, guys. Um. I'm Cammie Summers. I'm Jeff's wife, and I feel like I know all of you, so I'm not going to do the whole spiel of why I do this. But um, I, you know, this whole issue of porn is hard, isn't it? Like, I can remember the, well, the first and only time, really, I looked at a pornographic magazine. I was 16 or 17 and working in the mall, and I knew the bookstore manager of one of of the bookstore in the mall. And she was like, I'll sell you this magazine, you know? And I felt so edgy and it was so exciting to buy the magazine. The pictures weren't just all that, um, for me. Um, I can remember just being like, Hey, what's all this hub about? (laughs) But even as I think about it, I can confess to you that when I was in my thirties, I had a porn addiction. It wasn't with Playgirl or anything sexual that, that made my heart lust, but I looked at the pictures and I would feel desire well up in me and the blessings of God just seemed less than, and I can remember getting the magazine and pouring over the pictures, even escaping into them. Um, the life I pined for where everything had a place and children made enough mess that they were cute, but not enough to be a burden. And, you know, beauty reigned. 
And I know you might not think of the Pottery Barn catalog as porn, but for me it was. I mean, it really was. It produced the same sin in my heart of desire. Um, and, you know, Jeff tells you all these statistics, and if you're like me, you just kind of want to cry over it all because it's just so overwhelming. I don't want my kids lured into the secret sins or burdened with the shame or their relationships affected. But those statistics do not include Pottery Barn. And they don't include, you know, the latest HGTV show where everything is fixed in 30 minutes, right? Like, doesn't that make you lust a bit? I mean, or, you know, guys, the muscle cars or the Apple store, you know, we can set our heart on so many things. But if you included those numbers, it'd be 100%. All of us have set our hearts on poison and pursued entertainment that makes God's blessings seem less than. Um, So I think we have to, as we raise our kids in a world filled with porn, we have to be honest with ourselves and them. Sin grows in the dark like a poisonous mold. It grows when it's hidden and kept secret, and it paralyzes us with shame. But the light of Christ can kill it. As we bring our sin out of the dark parts of our lives through confession and accountability, as we focus our lives on the power of the gospel, porn can actually seem less than. It becomes powerless when we taste and see that the Lord is good and set our hearts on him. I don't want to talk to my kids about porn. I'll be honest with you. My mom didn't talk to me about it. You know, it wasn't a conversation we had. But I think today we have to be brave and courageous. And last week I was talking to a mom and she was like, how and when do you tell what about your story? Um, and I think that's tricky, right? Because we want to be authentic with our kids. We want to share, but we don't want to burden them with information they don't need. We don't want to lose their respect, which is really important. We don't want to give them license if part of our story does that. So how do we know when to tell what? And I think that part is why it's so crucial that we abide in Christ as parents. You know, that whole idea of praying before we talk to our kids about these things deeply and just asking God to lead the discussion. Because only God can really discern their hearts. Only God knows if me telling this part of my story is going to be a help or a hindrance to them. Only God knows that. And so he has to direct it. It's not something Jeff and I can tell you, oh, well, here's the formula for never having your children struggle. You know, there just isn't that. But that authentic relationship as you share is really what we hope that you guys will get out of Parent You is pursuing that, pursuing your kid's heart, having conversations. Um, So, you know, don't share if you're burdening your child with a truth they don't need. And maybe sometimes share the struggle without sharing the specifics of it. You know, um, Tim Keller says we're all idol makers. Every heart is an idol making factory. And, and I think that we can identify with our kids struggle because it's not new. I mean, how many of you had thought of those verses Jeff read today as describing pornography? Yeah. I mean, I hadn't thought about it, but it's not new to God. All of these struggles are the same struggles. They're just different colors, different shades of them. So, 
I don't have Pottery Barn catalogs at my house anymore. <laughs> and not to make you feel bad if you do have them, it's, it's not about that. I, I just know for me, it was a bit toxic. And I would run to them to find that peace and organization that I longed for in my life. But as I've really learned to read the Bible and really get into Scripture and commune with God, Pottery Barn isn't even a temptation anymore. (laughs) I don't long for it. It wasn't satisfying. It was just an escape, you know? But, and I think that's what we want to model for our kids is that picture of us pursuing God and tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and encouraging our kids to do that too. Because if they do, porn doesn't have power over us. Christ is so much bigger and his power is so much bigger. So as a mama, I take comfort in that. I hope you do too. That, and then do like, don't be afraid to have the conversation. Like be aware that these are things we need to ask about. And, and you might be surprised. I was talking to a mama who had that conversation with her son and he was very frank and honest about the temptations and the exposure and everything. He didn't hold back, and and he doesn't necessarily have the shame that we associate with it because he hasn't grown up in a world like that. So, you know, an encouragement. Let me pray with y'all. Dear Lord, we come before you, and we thank you that you're a creator of all good things and that you created sex for your purpose and for your holiness and that you have given us a plan that is good. And I pray for every parent in this room that you would make us brave and courageous, that we would see the power of the gospel as bigger and more powerful than anything the world has, and that we would see that power in the lives of our children and in our own lives as you break down strongholds and draw us closer to you. And I pray, Lord, that we, each family represented here, would be a beacon of your light in this dark world. And that we would so pursue you that others would see you in us and be drawn into your light and into relationship. Because just as Jeff showed us in those videos, the world is finding pornography and broken sexuality unsatisfying. And what they really need is you. And so I just pray that we would be vehicles for your grace in this world. And I pray that you would guide and direct us in our conversations with our teens. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So interesting, though, the, just circling back, that pottery barn, it's still a disassociation, right? The things that I said are the underlying sins, purposelessness, disassociation, dissatisfaction, the, or deprivation. Those yeah. are still the same things that are doing that yeah. and driving you to that.